Welcome back to another episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. My name is Julian Guderlai. I'm your host today. And I'm sitting here with Wadia Ait Hamza, who is the head of the Global Shapers community. Welcome to the show, Wadia. Welcome, Julian. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Wadia, maybe we'll start at just the Global Shapers community at large. From your perspective, what are the Global Shapers and why are they so important? So the Global Shapers community is a network of teams around the world. And we are in 378 cities in more than 158 countries with around 7,500 shapers. It's a global family of young people who have great potential and great achievements who wants to do something for their local community. So it's, it's something needed because we hear a lot of negative stories and the young people have this capacity to change the narrative that that the world yeah it's not perfect but it's a, it's a good place to be to be in and to be living in so the shapers are shaping their communities shaping their world with this positive narrative and also with with a positive attitude in bringing projects to the local community without having a counterpart or financial counterpart for it got it so it was an initiative started by the world economic forum in exactly. i believe 2011 exactly Right. And I think one of the mind-blowing facts that is being mentioned within the Global Shapers community quite a bit is that, what is it, I think 50% of the world's population are under 27 exactly. currently. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot of young people that basically... A lot of young people, yeah. but also like uh, how many people are listening to the, those young people. Mm-hmm. If any decision is being taken now and the young, the young people are not listened to, then it's too bad because unfortunately I did, those young people are the ones who will be living the, the consequences of those decisions. So if we don't include them right now and today, I think we have a big problem. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit more about impact and creating social impact because this is kind of like a buzzword that's coming up more and more in society. But what does it really mean to you and to the Global Shapers community? So for us, it's, it's, it's an easy definition. Impact is, is impacting the life of at least one person outside of your community. We don't, we don't want to go into you know, complex definitions because we want the young people want to decide what are the issues they are tackling, be it health, be it education, be it infrastructure, be it social cohesion, up to them to decide. And I don't think, and it's not fair, to compare a health project with an education project. So that's why we said, like, as long as it impacts the life of one person outside of your community, that's for me impact. Got it. So impacting people outside of your own kind of inner circle. Yes, exactly. And if you see it, like, now with the community, we are in 378 city. We ask the hubs to do at least one project per year. So if you put the sum, it's millions of, of uh, people impacted just by small actions at the local level. Got it. Well, that's a very, very important piece, I believe, to impact in your local community and kind of organize globally. What comes up for me personally always is what are the values or the kind of the, the direction signs are following? Like, why are we meeting and like, what are the values we gather around? So... We have a vision. Is is it that to empower the youth is important to to solve world's problems? We think that the youth are should be part of the solution and not only seen as the problem. Unfortunately, when we talk about about any problem uh, nowadays, it's related to the youth. Being it education, be it unemployment, being it countering violent extremism, uh, and so on and so forth, youth are seen as the problem. Where we think that if we empower the youth, they can be part of the, of the solution. Totally. 
I think this is something growing up for me when I was anywhere between 15 and, and 30, the last 15 years, it very much sensed that the world is, well, listening to youth to a degree, but, but not really like taking the youth quite serious yet. Mm. So do you foresee that, that might be changing or is it just important to gather youth, youth while they're young? No, I think it's changing. I'm hopeful because uh, I see a lot of world stakeholders who are taking into consideration the youth perspective. Um, and we sensed it a lot in the last Global Shapers Annual uh, Survey, where we surveyed more than 31,000 people. And we received really interesting insights from those surveys that we shared with different stakeholders. And we're still getting a lot of asks about being involved. Can you share more? Can we know more? The results surprised us. Can you please connect us with the right millennials that can help us understand or brainstorm about solutions? So I think we just need some actions from from our sides and then the rest will will come got it so as as we're sitting here and we're, we're we're in the same room so i see you have like a value charter in front of you maybe share a little bit more about the values of this community the global shapers because i think from that we can really talk about value in a very different light because it's it's not really a thing that businesses are mm. normally striving for. Mm. So the shapers came up with their own values. So right? yes, the shapers came up with their own values. So as I said, like it's not an easy exercise knowing that we are from in 158 countries. So we came up with five values around passion and is how can we use the passion to channel the energy in order to have or deliver a positive impact? Integrity, I think that's needed. And that's something that the young people are asking world leaders to have throughout their actions and throughout the work that they are doing. Service. So how can we practice a service of striving to understand the needs and the commitments in order to take actions at the local level? And then commitments. I need to be committed to strive and deliver those actions and honoring my obligations. And then lastly, cooperation. I cannot do anything alone. How can we cooperate for and demonstrate cooperation proactively working with others so that we can uh, work together in this world. After all, it's one planet and we're all one human. Yeah, I love that you're saying that. I think that's very important, especially when we look at world leaders, both from industry or the public sector, is to bring this being one human on one, one planet kind of into at least the center of our value discussion. I know you frequent those world leadership summits a lot so how is that the normality or the reality in those circles are people talking about values or is it just something the younger generations are coming up with i i think they they talk about values but not from from the perspective that the millennials they see it if we see the global shapers survey we had we had a big section about the society and values and it's interesting that i'm looking at the results here 40 percent said that they are humans before they are a global citizen, before their nationality. Wow. And seeing that we are, you know, the actual leaders now, they, when they are really good, they talk about global citizens as the ultimate value that they strive for. The millennials went even ahead. It's like we are humans, even before having that notion of citizen. I think it's, it's, it's important for the millennials uh, to bring that up front we see the world is growing to be one place in a globalized world so competition is at the global level it's no longer you are in your small country or in your small city and you don't care about what's happening elsewhere now everything is interconnected and you know what's happening elsewhere so you better be prepared for that as well yeah got it i think 
this is a very exciting notion that you're mentioning there that the younger generation is really already that interconnected. Do you think it's just a phenomenon of the times we live in based on the interconnection through the internet and globalization? Or is there a, another reason behind that? Well, I mean, if you see it, I think it's, it's cyclic. It's just different tools, probably. If you see like 50, 60 years ago, our parents and, and grandparents, they were traveling probably like, the, you know, there, there was a train from Vienna to Baghdad. Now you cannot even do it. There was a train from Rabat to Tunis through Algeria. Now the borders are closed. So, yes, we might think that, it's, yes, we are opening up, but also we are getting back in some, in, in some ways. So we should not take it for granted. And we should strive that this interconnectivity not to be only digital, but also physical. And that's where what it's really sad what's happening in the world where a lot of borders are still, are still closed between countries. Yes, the people are connected digitally, but with no face-to-face. And I think face-to-face is very important to, to feel that we are only one, we have the same challenges, we have the same problems, and that we can learn from each other and share best practices. Is that the learning from the Global Shapers community at large too, that the problems are somewhat similar around the world? Yes. Yeah. The problem is always similar. The, the, the scope, the scale is different, but we are working toward one goal and is to have better services, have better lives for our families. So everything else, you know, people have problems with housing, like everywhere. People have problems with finding the right job, the right purpose. I think it's, it's just a matter of acknowledging that and saying that we are one planet and it's, you know, we're one species, we're humans and we think the same way. How can we learn from each other and not reinvent the wheel every time? Yeah, that's exciting. I think the World Economic Forum, whom, whom you represent, I think the tagline is committed to improving the state of the world. Exactly. And it very much reminds me, and uh, my, my uh, regular listeners will, will know, I mention this quote every episode, it uh, very much re- reminds me of a question that Buckminster Fuller asked back in the 20th century, which is, what does it take to create a world that works for everyone? I mean, it takes us acknowledging ourselves and not thinking that we are in competition. There is space for everyone. There was a last read an article that if we want to feed the whole planet, we only need the land of half of Africa. Wow. And we feed the whole planet. We're still fighting. We're still throwing food and still like billions of people don't have anything to eat. So that competition that we strive for as nations, I think is, should, should be abolished because we are, we are in one place. If, you are, if the country next to me is striving, I'll be striving. If the, there is war in the country next to me, I'll have problems, even if I'm not involved. So how can we pass that narrative that it's only me about me and I don't care about the rest? No, we are, you know, it's interesting. Uh, the, the former Secretary General Ban Ki-moon said that there is no planet B. If we have a problem with climate change and we, we don't solve it all together, but we're going to fall all together. It's not like climate change will stop at the border of a nation and impact only one nation. It's impossible. And, and we are saying it right now. And it's interesting from one of the surveys we had a few years ago, we asked the millennials, what is the top concern for you at the local level? And what's the top concern for you at the global level? Global level climate change was among the top three. But it was never among the top three at the local level. So everyone is thinking it's someone else's problem. Got it. And that's the narrative we need to change. How, thanks God, like this year, it changed. A lot of countries put uh, climate change as top concern at the local level. But we need to do more. 
it's kind of last minute because it's actually turned into massive problems in local communities at this point. Yeah. 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 That's that's very interesting. I think it's something that I've uh, witnessed in my travels around the world as well as people kind of put problems or situations into other people's shoes. They're like, yes. oh, I'm, I'm aware of this, but it doesn't concern me. Yes. So what is one of the many solutions to get to the next place? Is it narrative? I think it's narrative. I think it's knowing and understanding the other. It's to be open-minded and inclusive. You know, we talk a lot about migration and refugees. No one knows where they are from. And if you or your listeners uh, watched a really nice video about DNA test where they asked people what, yes. what what they think of their of their country next to them and they were like no this is they are the enemy blah blah and we did the test they found out that they are from those countries Absolutely. no one knows and i think we, it should be like mandatory for world leaders to take dna tests to be aware of where their origins from that's a great idea let's make that happen i, I think we're like what like 99 dna the same anyway like yeah yeah. So we all came from the same place. No one is like, so that narrative also of the other, I think is, is very dangerous for the world. Like, but I'm, 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 I'm hopeful through the Global Shaper survey. Again, we ask the youth, would you welcome refugees into your country, into your city, into your neighbor, into your home? And I will not welcome them. And you will be surprised that 72% said I will welcome them to my country. 51% said, I welcome them to my city. 49% I will welcome them in my neighborhood. And 27% I will welcome refugees into my home. Wow. And only 7% of the millennials say, I, would, I don't want to welcome the refugees. So we have to work on the 7%. But if you check that, and that's among yeah. 30,000 30, respondents. Yeah. If you take that and you take it to what the world leaders or many countries are doing, it's just the contrary. And that's why it's important that we should include the youth into the decision-making and into the, those discussions because they bring a fresh perspective. Yes, some may say it's naive perspective, but that's the reality. They are aware of those concerns and they are willing to address them. Well, possibly some point of views are naive, but also a lot of political views are, in my eyes are naive that are out there right now. I think this is this is why I mentioned the Buckminster Fuller Court with, with such pleasure. It's unless we're actually living in a world that works for everyone, we should consider all the points of views, even the naive ones. Because mm -hmm. if we were to live in a world that's perfect, fair enough. But we, we are not living in a world, as you said, world hunger isn't solved, access to clean drinking water. People are needing to, to be refugees all over the place because of civil wars. So I think, or climate change. So I think we're, we're so far away from this goal of actually making it work for everyone, that even the most naive point of view should at least be um, heard or considered. Exactly, exactly. I, I mean, at the end, who is right and who is wrong? No one knows. Yeah. No yeah. one knows. Uh, you might think you're right, but you're wrong. It's different of, uh, of positions. I, I, I remember I was traveling with a friend. Uh, I'm Muslim, he's Christian, and we were in Dubai. And at some point, we were good friends. And at some point, like... Why all, all, all the female are wearing black? And I told him, like, why all the men are wearing white? And he's like, yeah, because in my culture, black is the color of death. That's the color you wear in funerals. I was like, well, in my culture, the color of death is white. And that's what we wear in funerals. So who's right, who's wrong? No one. Yeah. And I think that is, can be for anything, for any topic. Even science... I remember the, the day I received my DNA results, I went to my father, I was like, look, look. And he looked at me like, true, 
till another day. Even science can change. Absolutely. So who's right, who's wrong? Everyone and no one. I love that you're mentioning that, Wadi. I think this is very much the reality check. We're so opinionated about what we believe in and with the facts we, we've kind of learned, but they are changing. And I think mm. uh, how often have I looked back and I realized, oh, I, I don't have this opinion anymore. And I used to stand up for it with such vigor, right? So very interesting. I, I'd love to segue a little bit into a more personal part of the conversation. So I feel this is very much connected to a topic that we've, we've talked about the last 24 hours that you've been in Victoria, which is authenticity. Mm -hmm. Maybe describe from your words, what does being authentic really mean? Being authentic is not, you know, I, I know a lot of people, they, and especially like uh, coaches who, who are into leadership, they tell people, fake it till you make it. But I, I agree with it and also disagree because, you know, if you are faking it, you can show that you are faking it. And that's being authentic. Being authentic is being vulnerable, is being self, being open to others and just being who you are. People will appreciate who you are rather than who you are trying to become. So, so I think uh, for me, authenticity is linked a lot to vulnerability. Beautiful. I totally echo that. And I think vulnerability is something, in, especially in the global brother culture between men, is a topic that really needs to come out a lot more. Yes. It's how do you authentically share your vulnerability as a man so you're not seeing it as a weakness, but you're actually mm. seeing it as a strength. Oh, of course. Like, I don't know if it's the case here, but we grew up in society with like, men should not cry. Yeah, very much the case in Canada. Yeah. yeah, so what if you cry? What's the what's the worst that can happen? So so I think vulnerability it should be part of of who you are because no one is perfect and we know that we're just trying to fake it that uh, that people are perfect, but we know it's not the case. I'm happy to hear that. I, I know that you also get to spend a lot of time with uh, Professor Klaus Schwab, who's the founder of the World Economic Forum. What have you learned? just by osmosis, by being around him, by, by seeing how he interacts with world leaders. Maybe share like an insight or two of how that feels like and what that looks yeah. like. Yeah, I mean, Professor Schwab is, is someone for, for me who's, who's an amazing person because he's visionary. He, he doesn't stop at the short term, but he thinks long term. He thinks about the public-private uh, environment in general, taking in uh, all stakeholders. But maybe one anecdote that will play maybe to your listeners uh, who is exactly? So he was the youngest professor in Switzerland. He has two PhDs, and uh, of course, as someone who's genius like like him, there was a guy who who came to him as like, uh, "Will you work for me? I'll give you whatever you want." And he told him, "I have this crazy idea. I just need some funds. So if you give me fifty thousand Swiss francs, which is approximately sixty thousand Canadian dollars, if you give me fifty thousand Swiss francs." I'll try to work with this idea. If it doesn't work, then I'll come work for you for free. The other guys are like, yeah, that's a good deal. Here is your suggestion. Here is your 50,000. Let me see what you're going to do. That idea was the World Economic Forum. Wow. That's how he started that? Yes. No way. I did yes. not know that. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, that other guy never got hit. The word they got Klaus Award. He, 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 he came to the board. <laughs> he came to the board and he got his money with interest. But that's, oh, that, that's how vision. That's also it's linked to purpose. Yeah. If you know your purpose in the world, like a lot of things will happen and you, you will do whatever you want. But if you're just working for a salary with no purpose, I'm sorry. That's not, that's not going to last. If, if you're working for a project, I can tell you like 
you know, this month we don't have money. And you would say, fine with me because I love what I'm doing. I want to, to work for it. But a lot of people are not thinking about the purpose. And that's also one of the things that I think a lot of people should take time, pause, know who, who they are, where they want to go and what's their purpose in life. I love that you segue into purpose. This is my favorite conversation. I think purpose, it's very funny. I know you speak a little bit of German. In German, if you translate purpose, it's the word Berufung. Mm -hmm. And Berufung is almost the same as Beruf, which is loosely translated job. Yeah. So it, there's like a circle between having a job and being in purpose, in purpose. within the linguistics of, of, of the German culture. And when I kind of came to the English speaking culture, I was always looking for that link between what we do and what we call work and purpose. Mm. And I think purpose is something, as you said, if, if we were to live in a world where every human is educated, challenged and um, empowered yeah. to be in their purpose, we would live in a, on an even more fantastic planet. Totally. So maybe tell us a little bit in your words, like, how do you think we, we could help more people to, to be in touch with their purpose? I think, I think they should just ask them, themselves why. Why? Why? Why they are on this planet. If, if it's just to be another person in this planet and be someone who just using the resources and then go, yeah. that's, you don't have a purpose. But if you, you want to leave a, a trace, you want to leave something for the next generation, you are striving to give the best life for you, for your family, for your beloved ones, you're starting to have a purpose. But then if you want to love and give something to the humanity and help them and strive for peace, strive for equal opportunities for everyone, then you have a purpose. And the purpose cannot be always linked to doing a project or doing charity or, yeah, it might be that, but you can be in a tech company and, you know, putting your, your, your mind and your brain to service and create services for the humanity. You can be a, a teacher and you, you know that your purpose is to some people, uh, the kids in your class to, to have a successful life. You can be a doctor and thinking of how can I save more lives? How can I strive to be the best at my job? Imagine if a, we are in a world where everyone does their jobs perfectly, how that world will be. Just imagine, it's like utopia sometimes, but we can, we can be there, we can be there. It's certainly worth imagining and it's certainly worth kind of creating a larger vision. And I think where everybody does their own perfect and kind of to take what I heard there from you is really the perfect within their own authenticity. Right? I think when we are authentic, we, we kind of want to ask those questions. Why am I even here? Mm -hmm. This is literally how it happened for myself. I, I kept asking myself, what am I even doing on this planet? Yeah. And then at some point you come up with, with a, a sense of clarity. When you have a sense of clarity, I feel like go run with it. Right? Sounds like Professor Klaus Schwab had, had this clarity around his vision that he said, you know what? I'm confident enough and I have faith enough that if I get 50,000 francs, I'll make it happen. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Very, very interesting. Another question for you. Do you have any form of routine to start your day or any form of uh, kind of getting into the zone or into the flow to unleash your purpose into the world? Nope. Zero. I, I know a lot of people would not be happy hearing that because a lot of people try to meditate, do yoga. For me, just being myself. Just being myself. Uh, I, I wake up uh, as everyone, get dressed and then head to work. I don't even eat breakfast. 
So maybe that's the routine. I don't eat breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> no breakfast. That's your routine. No breakfast. Well, it's called intermittent fasting in the kind of uh, new culture. You, oh. you fast for a little bit longer, so between dinner and lunch, basically. Yeah. Interesting. I, yeah. I mean, this this is why I'm asking the question. I, I'm a big and firm believer, and you mentioned that as well, Wadia, that there is no real right or wrong in how to live a life. Mm. So understanding how many different people can have different lifestyles yeah. is a path to freedom, you know? And the diversity is our richness. 100%. What is happiness to you? Traveling. Traveling? Discovering new things, meeting new people, discovering new cultures, hearing about new cultures. That's that's for me happiness. So when I'm on the road, I'm, I'm happy. Wonderful. I relate to that. And of course, my kids. But that's, that's, that's more than happiness. Wonderful. Uh, another random question. If you... Wadia had $13.7 billion tomorrow in your bank account. Mm -hmm. Just just because you have them. $13.7 billion. What would you do with it? Nothing. On that day. On that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, Buy I, an ice cream. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't think, I don't think money is my purpose in the world. Yes, I want to live a nice life, but I'm not striving to be, to have $37 billion. So I'm not going to have it. Got it. If I wanted, I would not be working in an international organization. Uh, as simple as that. So what I'm sensing is you feel so in purpose with the place you're at that you you just... It's about purpose. It's about purpose. It's about yeah. living that. Yeah. Powerful. I like that. And I have one last question for you, which I love asking. And I'm not looking, again, I'm not looking for a right or wrong answer. What I'm wanting to hear is kind of your own take of this visionary... Uh, perspective. So the question is, if we as humanity had a 200-year vision for planet Earth, mm -hmm. what would yours look like? Inclusive, peaceful world. Oh. Everyone is included in an equal world and peace. Yeah. I, wow. I love that. <laughs> I, I think those are the two things that we need to strive for. The rest is just we're complicating our, our lives and ourselves. Yeah. Here, here. Is there anything else you want to share with Global Shapers listening or anybody else? Is there any message that you that you still in your mind that you want to want to get? But I think the most the most important thing is is to be conscious of the world we're living in, in terms of of who we are and also the responsibility that we have. If if you see the world uh, we are in, and if you see like a country which is everyone says like is the most developed country like the U.S. And how many people have master degrees or MBAs? It's not more than 2%. And if we see, if you're already listening to this podcast, it means you have access to technology, you have you have a house, you, you are living a, a good life. And that doesn't represent even 1% of the world population. So either we want it or not, we are an elite. And it's our responsibility to work for this, for, for, for this goal. So we should not take for granted whatever we have now, whatever we're doing, but strive to do more and strive to be inclusive of the rest. Because, uh, you know, without the rest, I, I don't think we are fulfilling our mission and our purpose in life. Powerful. Wadia, thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for visiting us here in Victoria, British Columbia. Pleasure. Thanks for ordering the sun for me. As long as it's here, I'm here. <laughs> well, it's here like, I think, 250 days a year. So, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thanks. I hope you too enjoyed this episode. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on either iTunes or Spotify, Green Planet, Blue Planet Podcast, and join me and others in the conversation 
on Facebook, Green Planet, Blue Planet Podcast on Facebook. Wherever you are, have yourself a summer day.